Good morning, everyone. My friends, I greet first my parishioners who are with me every week, worshiping and loving God in each other. To you, I love you. And I wish you a blessed, blessed Christmas to all those who are visiting us and have chosen this house to worship in this morning. I love you also for being with us, and I wish you a blessed, blessed Christmas. And to those that I do not see that often, I love you, and I am happy that you are with us this morning also. And for those who have distanced themselves from the church for whatever that reason may be, but you find yourself here, I love you. More importantly, Jesus loves you. And we are happy that you are with us and you've chosen to come and worship him here. We are all God's family, each one of us, are his members, his children. And this is its proper place for you to be. We are together. We are family. And all of you are supposed to be here. So blessed Christmas to all of you. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. And uh, from me as well. I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. Okay, today my homily is going to be short. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, there's going to be a lot of theology involved, so be patient. It's going to some of you, it may sound like uh, French, but that's okay. Uh, so we begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Last night we spoke about the prophecies of the birth of Christ and how the prophet Isaiah prophesies that the Lord will come to save his people from damnation. And thereafter, the Lord incarnate came and dwelt among us. Translated into, he placed his tent among us in our midst. Isaiah also prophesies about the coming of a, of a messenger to prepare the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist was that messenger, courageously proclaiming the coming of the Lord, the Mighty One. And St. Paul told us in Romans that the Mighty One is Jesus Christ himself, who would be made known to all nations to bring about the obedience of faith, peace, and tranquility to our hearts, to our messy world. He is the one, Jesus, who will clothe us with the robe of salvation. No one else. He is the one. He is a mighty one. And in St. Luke's Gospel, we read the greatest love story that had ever been told. The love story between God and his people. You and me. Can you imagine? God loves you, you, not all of us, just you individually. The story was presented not as a figment of St. Luke's imaginations, but an actual reality made present to us by the very hand of God himself. The climax of the story, of course, is reached when the angel says to Mary, you shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, as Luke tells us. And now you know the rest of the story. And that is when Mary responded to the angel with unconditional yes. I am the handmaid of the Lord. 
let it be done to me according to your word. This is not as easy a yes for Mary as you may think. It was a very difficult decision for her. You see, but because of her steadfast faith in the Lord and her understanding of the coming of the Messiah, the promised Messiah, she said yes to that. But at the same time, Mary was a humble girl. This is why she, it was hard for her to understand. It was not an easy yes for her. She was a very humble girl, a humble virgin from Nazareth, and was astonished at the angel's announcement. However, I am sure that she was praying to God to send the anointed one, the Christ, as prophesied by the prophets, to save the world that she was living in. But she did not expect herself to be the one or to play a major part in it. She did not expect herself to do so. Second, Mary was only 14 years old, as we said yesterday, taking on this huge responsibility in this chaotic world to carry out God's plan of salvation for the human race. This is a daunting responsibility for this young virgin, even for older ones too, not just the young. Third, Mary was and wanted to be a virgin as, and remain as a virgin. She consecrated herself, she consecrated her life to God as a child. So why was she being called to such a mission? She does not understand. She does not understand why this was happening to her. Mary, I am sure, wondered, how can God ask me for such divine maternity? How can this be? Mary cannot understand it. So she humbly asked, how can this come about since I have no relations with a man? So the angel assured her that this is God's plan for her, not to worry. And at that very moment, she says, yes, let it be done to me. The word with a capital W, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And from, all, from now on, every time I say the word, is going to be a capital word, okay? So, and... What we read this morning from Gospel of John, so beautiful and overwhelming. You have to really read it slowly and, and meditate on it, right? Surpassing all human knowledge and understanding. And here we go again. I'm going to repeat some of it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him. And without him, nothing came to be. Without him, nothing came to be. So what is this eternal word whom John the Beloved is referring to? Who is he? The word is the logos in Greek, meaning he is the Word of God, the principle of divine reason, the principle of divine reason. 
He is the second person of the Trinity incarnate. Saint Augustine and later, I mean Saint Augustine and later Saint Thomas Aquinas spoke of the word in this fashion. And this is the easy part. I leave the harder part and the later. Listen carefully. God who is with infinite knowledge, infinite power, infinite intellect, and understand himself infinitely and perfectly. This is what Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine said, not me. Was able to imagine an image of himself from all eternity and expressed that image in a single divine word that he spoke with absolute perfection. We call this process the eternal generation or the begotten of the divine son. A perfect image of the father with complete distinction. So as the father conceived of and expressed the word perfectly, he loves what he conceived perfectly as well. And the word, the son, reciprocates the love perfectly. So here we have the son, the perfect image of the father, yet a person of his own. You see how easy that is? It's a joke, anyway. <laughs> and the perfect love that exists between them proceeded from the Father and the Son as the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the sanctifier, the perfect image of both, yet a person of his own as well. So here we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, yet one Godhead. Now you know everything you need to know about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Well, you see, is a note here that I have. We as a human are not perfect, right? I hope you don't think you are perfect. We are not perfect. Therefore, we cannot understand ourselves perfectly to conceive a perfect image of ourselves. You can never be able to perceive an image of yourself because you are not perfect. Therefore, this single divine word is the Son, the image of the invisible God. The Son, of, the son is consubstantial, mean one, with the Father. The Father is the Son, is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father. This is the basis what John is telling us in today's reading. I could have told you this in one sentence, and I have to go through all that. So this is the story, right? And John, the beloved apostle, continues, and the word became flesh and made himself and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. As we consider and meditate on the great mystery of our faith, Jesus' birth emphasizes the arrival of the fullness of time, meaning the right time for his coming. Being under the bondage of original sin with our human lineage separated from God, our loving God said over our condition, send his eternal son born from the Virgin Mary to redeem us from the slavery of sin. 
This is what St. John is saying to us, explaining to us the deep theological understanding of God's love for humanity. This is what we are really celebrating this morning as we marvel at this newly born baby. But look closely, right? This baby is also God Almighty. As we said yesterday, he is God Almighty. Yet, yet, he is one of us. He loves you and he loves me. Can you imagine? God loves me, not just all. Think about when God, when you say God loves us, it's a lot different than when you say God loves me as individual. I think Father Mark continued to pound that idea on, on us that God loves you, not just all of us. Of course, he loves all of us. But when he say God loves me, it means a lot more. Me, the sinner, right? And he is one of us because he wants to bring us back to the, our formal condition as the children of God, full of grace. However, we must accept him. This is a condition. We must accept him. Welcome him into our hearts. Surrender to his will and be graced with the sacraments so that we can attain the salvation he is offering us. If we don't do that, we cannot receive that salvation. So let us seek Jesus. Only through him we will find salvation and the ultimate meaning of life. Only through him we will find the solution to the problem of our world. Only through him. And only through him we will experience true joy. And this is a reality. And it's a fact. I do not, I don't, should say that. I do not care what, who we are. No matter how high you go on your degree, you could reach the ultimate height. And if you do not have Christ in your heart, you are missing something. There's a hole in there that you can never fill. There's all vacancy if you do not have him in your heart or in my heart in this case. And this is not what the first reading today tells us. Shout for joy, all you faithful, for you have seen directly before your own eyes the Lord restoring Zion and the ruin of Jerusalem and its inhabitants. For from darkness a great light has shone in all the people. And the second reading from Hebrews tells us that God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. But he, but he has spoken to us through his son. There are no more prophets in the past. They, are, they came and they are gone. Now Jesus is the one who speaks to us. The light of the world who truly entered into the human experience and in him it has forever transformed. Just like last night, I have two quotes for you today. One is from the same person, Deacon and Saint Ephraim of Syria. He said of Jesus, all the creation were too small to conceal your majesty. Heaven and earth too narrow to cover your Godhead. Too small for you, the bosom of earth. However, great enough for you was the bosom of Mary. 
how beautiful that is. Wow. And this is 340 A.D. 340 A.D. Our forefathers were thinking of Mary in such a way. And here is another quote from Martin Luther deals with Mary. Martin Luther himself. And this is in 1532 A.D. He said, God has formed the soul and body of the Virgin Mary, full of Holy Spirit, full of grace, so that she is without all sins. She is without all sins, for she has conceived and born the Lord Jesus. And let me say this, hope and love are born today. And in him, the human race begins to live again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. My friends, um, Deacon's homily was well-crafted for us. And uh, um, as the second reading spoke to us, it said God speaks in different ways, and he has. And now primarily through his son, Jesus, and his disciples. And... Uh, my friends, if we look at this and uh, with our hearts, uh, because God can do all things for us, uh, if we open our hearts, uh, He is able to speak to us in many ways through the reading of the Scriptures, through a homily that's given that speaks about those Scriptures, through song, hymns, the choir sang, and they evoke emotions. And they teach at the same time. My friends, uh, since Saturday evening in our parish up to this morning, we will have had 2,800 people come to Mass and to celebrate, and that is incredible news for us. For some, it's a tradition and a custom to come on Christmas to a church, but we got to get them not just a custom and tradition to give God glory on Christmas and on Easter. And uh, because of that, we'll be running the rescue project, and the rescue project uh, helps us to go deeper and deeper into that relationship with Christ in an experiential way so that it'll become a living reality and that you'll be comfortable speaking about him, testifying to him. And you'll be able to take that to others and that journey will begin on January 11th here and run for seven weeks. We'll gather, look at scriptures, share stories. We'll start with a meal. And my friends, uh, as I said, customs and traditions, uh, they're wonderful. And I want to talk to you about that, maybe opening up customs and traditions, allowing Christ to come into them so that he may speak using that method. Because some people, they don't look at the Bible. Some people, when you start talking about the Bible, they close off. Jesus knows this. So he comes in from different angles. In our parish, one of the traditions that we've done to glorify God is we've asked parishioners, uh, will you please donate a poinsettia for the decoration of the church for ourselves? No, for Jesus and his birthday, if you will. And uh, this year we surpassed all donations, over 440 poinsettias, and they're everywhere, as you can see. And uh, they are given for his honor, but in the memory of themselves or a loved one. This is wonderful. Know that God loves you.
and he asks us to love him back and to each other. That will be the greatest testimony of his love in this world now. Amen.